One quick note before I get started today, this episode was recorded about a month ago while I was in San Diego with my husband on a road trip, and now we're both in Zimbabwe. So that is why I'm very late in getting this episode out, and that maybe some of the stuff that I talk about in this episode, like waiting for visas to go to Zimbabwe, is no longer relevant because I'm already in Zimbabwe. Hooray! So enjoy this episode where I talk with Haley Swinson from Savvy Girl Travel about studying and living abroad and things to consider while planning your trip. Hello and welcome to the Adventureless podcast. My name is Erin Taves and I love travel and adventure. Hi Haley, go ahead and introduce yourself for our audience here. My name is Haley Swenson, and I am the founder and editor of Savvy Girl Travel. It's an online women's magazine, travel magazine, uh, that I started in September um, of last year. So we're coming right up to a year now, which is crazy. Are you going to have a big celebration? Gosh, I should. I don't know. I think my celebration will be taking a break. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I'm from South Carolina originally. I now live in North Carolina. I just moved back from um, Edinburgh in the UK where I finished my master's in creative writing. Okay. I moved back here to Wilmington in March. So, still kind of settling back in here. I actually used to work in costuming for film, so that's what brought me to Wilmington originally, okay. and um, decided that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life, so I went back to school for writing, and I'm focusing on travel writing now, and um, freelancing, that sort of thing, so. Okay. Yeah, that's me. Very good. <laughs> How did you get into travel writing? Uh, well, I guess I've always been interested in creative writing. And um, when I was, so when I was growing up, I was really into writing stories. And in high school, I went through a creative writing program. Um, college, I minored in creative writing. And it's always been sort of my thing. Um, and then after I finished school, I didn't know what to do. I I graduated with a degree in French studies, um, with the minor in creative writing. So I decided to move to Canada, <laughs> and, um, to Montreal. I'd heard really good things about Montreal. I wanted to continue to practice my French and do something different. And um, I ended up there for a year. I got a, a working uh, vacation visa, and. While I was there, I started to, to follow a few different travel blogs, um, and I started my own blog. It was more of a personal blog, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of wanted to see where that was going, uh, although eventually I ended up going into costuming instead of, um, instead of really working on that travel blog, so I kind of let that fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, I was working on developing my resume for costuming, working on a bunch of independent films, and um, eventually moving to Wilmington, where there was a good bit of film at the time. Um, So I worked in the film industry for about two years, and then realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, 
And so I thought, oh, hey, well, I'll go back to this travel blog thing that I was thinking about back when sort of the two, the two paths <laughs> diverged, right? And I had to make a decision, one or the other. And um, so I thought, well, I had been applying to, to schools as sort of a backup over the last couple of years, and I had um, deferred. So I had gotten accepted into University of Edinburgh, and then I deferred uh, for a year because I wanted to see where costuming was going to take me. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I finished a job on a on a TV show. I don't know if you've heard of the show Revolution. I was working yeah. on that, and it was a really interesting job. There there were a lot of um, fun aspects to it, but there was a lot of um, kind of hard. Uh, work long hours like 14 hour days and so I thought okay well maybe the next the next program I get on is going to be better and I went to work the first day on the next program which was a show called Under the Dome and it wasn't better (laughs) So, so I immediately went home and wrote an email to the University of Edinburgh and said, "Can I can I accept my deferral and come to school this this um, this autumn?" And and they wrote back and said, "Sure." <laughs> and so I uh, I wrote that email in mid May of 2013, and I left in August 2013 and moved to Edinburgh. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, yeah, so that's how I, I ended up going. Oh, part of the reason why I wanted to go to Edinburgh is because I was interested in travel writing. Um, and I thought that being abroad would be a lot more um, conducive to travel um, and uh, actually being able to write about places people are really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's it was just a one-year program rather than a three-year, which a lot of um, MFA programs here in the States are three years. Okay. So that's how, I, that was all part of my decision-making process. <laughs> right. You go, go overseas, study, and, uh, and get a degree faster than you would here. So, so um, I think I've read somewhere that you've lived in Canada. I did, yeah. Um, as I was saying, after I um, finished my undergraduate degree, I didn't really know what to do with my life so I just applied for a working vacation visa and moved to Montreal um, which is in Quebec Mm -hmm. Uh, it's much colder than South Carolina (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah yeah, and that was actually a fairly simple process Uh, yeah there's a program called the SWAP program S-W-A-P it's for people who have just graduated um, or are about to graduate from undergraduate, um, or basically students who have just finished their degrees. Uh, and there are several different programs in, or several different countries in the program. Um, and what they do, they have offices. They, at least my program had a couple of offices in Montreal and they helped me to apply for my visa. Um, and they're supposed to just be a resource for you in the country. Although, to be honest, I didn't find them to be incredibly helpful. And the visa process is not really that complicated, so you can definitely do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are quite a few countries that have working vacation visas available for um, people who've just graduated or sometimes just young people under the age of 30. Um 
for instance, I think New Zealand and Australia, Ireland, um, and Canada, and probably some other countries in the EU as well, all have these working vacation um, visa programs. Mm. Unfortunately, the UK does not, not with um, the US. I think it's because they're still stinging a little bit about us leaving the union. Because <laughs> oh, um, it's funny, because if you're Commonwealth, Commonwealth being um, former colony of the, of, of the United Kingdom, um, so Canada, Australia, um, gosh, India, you know, all of their gigantic former empire, mm-hmm. they have this great program um, that I believe allows them a two-year working vacation visa, um, and you can kind of move from those countries to the UK or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't do that with the U.S. Oh, like, crazy. hey, we were a former colony, but just because we left in a violent way, <laughs> yeah. I think they're stinging a little bit. Uh, if only. But the, the thing about the working vacation visa is that it's only for – um, a set period of time. So mine was actually for six months, then I had to renew it for another six months. Um, and you can't work in like childcare and certain, um, more of the like sensitive, um, work areas. Uh, you can't, I'm not sure if you can work in like hospital settings, but anyway, there are certain stipulations about it. So what I did, I just worked in a couple of different service industry jobs and I was just there mostly for the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, although it's actually fairly simple to apply for, um, permanent residency in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I had considered doing that as well and then ultimately decided I needed to come back, um, Mm-hmm. But um, if if someone is interested in a working vacation visa to Canada, um, you can pretty much just go Google working vacation visa Canada and all the information you need will come up. It does cost something like $300 to apply, I think. Okay. Um, but there is a little process that will tell you whether or not you're going to be qualified. So It's pretty hard. self-explanatory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not, yeah, it's not very difficult. And actually it was sort of funny because in the past I studied abroad in France and, um, and then this past year I lived in the UK and both France and, um, the UK had these really fancy visa stamps. Like they put them in your passport and they're, they're like holofoil or whatever that stuff is. (laughs) And they look really cool, right? They've got a little picture of you. Canada, they, they give you a piece of paper and they staple it into your passport. <laughs> Pretty legit, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very legit. So I, And then it, once it expires, they remove it. So, which is kind of sad for me because I like having those visas in my um, passport. Right. So all I have left are little staple marks instead. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was a story to tell of its own, I suppose, but not as as good as those stamps and yeah, pretty visas. Right now I'm applying for a visa to go to Zimbabwe for a year to work mm-hmm. as a nurse, and that process is nothing like what you're talking about. So. Yeah, I imagine that would be a lot more complicated. Yeah, it's just, most of it's time-consuming. I don't know if you've run into that, but we, 
I had applied for my nursing license there, and that took, oh, quite a long time. I submitted it in August, um, and then because one piece of paper was sent by the wrong agency, like, I sent it, but I guess my board of nursing was supposed to send it, they mm. weren't processing it, and they weren't telling me they weren't processing it oh, until wow. someone checked on it. Anyway, so it was finally approved in February. And Congratulations. Then, thank you. <laughs> and then, therefore, I could submit my visa. So we submitted that, and it is July. It's still waiting. Yeah. Wow. So, almost yeah, a year. I, th- I, I think it depends on the country a lot, too, because mm-hmm. I imagine that... Uh, this is totally going off of stereotypes, I guess, but you know, Canada and the UK might have slightly more efficient processes than Zimbabwe. Although I do know, um, because one of my friends in my uh, program in Edinburgh is from Kenya, and mm-hmm. she had issues with her visa. So it definitely depends on where you're coming from and what country you're applying to. Um, because the UK is going to look at somebody applying from Kenya and think they're going to come here and they're not going to leave because mm-hmm. that's a stereotype, you know, mm-hmm. and um, there tend to be more immigrants coming from some uh, countries that are s- slightly more troubled, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you are coming from one of those countries, you're going to have a, a much tougher time or going to one of those countries, it seems like. Yeah. It really depends on what country you're going to. Mm-hmm. When you decided to study in Edinburgh, was that a hard a hard process? You're not going there to just to live, but you're going there to study. Was that a um, lot different? Do you mean like in terms of... In terms of getting your visa and um, getting into oh, the country. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, actually it was definitely easier, I would say. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, getting a student visa, I think, is generally one of the easiest visas to obtain because you are there for a set period. Um, the one thing that you do, you do have to get um, some kind of letter from the organization that is that you're going to be attending that says, yes, she's going to be a student here. Um, and they have some kind of special number, identification number that you have to give them so they there is a little bit it is a little bit more complicated I guess because they're technically sponsoring you to be there um it would be as if you got a job in another country that required you to move there it's not like you're moving there and then you get a job so then that that organization would be sponsoring you and they're actually actually if they're sponsoring you to work there they're probably going to be paying for your visa as well Mm. um and they Actually, now that I think about it, because obviously that's not what I what I did, um, but I did look into it when I was um, about to leave the country, you know, just to see what the process was if I wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a, a pretty significant additional fee for a business that wants to sponsor somebody um, to stay, and then you can only work for that company when you're there. And they have to prove that there's a reason for you to stay there's a need for you for instance like it i think it would be difficult for say a service type industry job to sponsor someone to stay in a country because it's like well why is this person better for this job than someone who is a uk citizen mm-hmm. um no 
uh, gosh, there was something else I was going to say, and it totally just escaped me. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Um, oh, I remember now. So there is another, there's kind of a loophole, not really a loophole, depending on how you look at it. If you get a PhD in the UK, it's a lot easier to get a longer term visa. I think you have a few years afterward that you can stay and work. Okay. But I don't know if that counts as a loophole because it is requiring you to, to stay and work and get a, a PhD, which is like, <laughs> you know, three, three to five years, maybe longer than that, studying. <laughs> and um, while you're studying, one of the stipulations of my visa there was that um, while I was studying full time, I could only work part time. So I could only do up to 20 or 25 hours a week. Okay. But then, and this is the interesting thing too. We finished school or we, we turn in our final um, dissertations in August and then they didn't have the graduation ceremony until November. Mm. But technically in that time period, August to November, I was no longer a student, even Mm -hmm. though I hadn't graduated yet. Um, so I could work full time during that time period, and I also had to pay council tax, which hmm. is a pain in the butt. So <laughs> council tax is this thing that everybody has to pay in the UK who works, um, or who, or I should say, everybody who's not a student. Hmm. So even if I weren't employed, I would have to pay council tax. Okay. I um, and it's not cheap. <laughs> so that was kind of a pain. It's like everybody wants to go, but I haven't graduated yet. And then they say, sorry, doesn't matter. <laughs> Pay your taxes. Exactly. All right. Yeah, these are little things that you don't think of when <laughs> when mm-hmm. you're going to study abroad. Or... Yeah. Oh, and the other thing, part of the process, too, while you're studying, they have these time periods. It's like a week at a time over the course of the year where you have to go in and check in with your, um, not the admissions people, but the, uh, the registrar, um, Mm -hmm. you have to go and check in and say, yes, I'm still a student. Yes. I'm still taking classes. I haven't disappeared. I'm not working full time and here's my passport. I'm still legal. So you do have to do those check-ins throughout your time. Um, in Edinburgh. It's fairly informal. It's nothing really to fret about. But for instance, I, you know, spent like a month traveling over the summer um, while I was working on my dissertation. And so if I hadn't planned it right and had been out of town when I needed to check in, that would have been a little bit difficult to work around. Okay. um, Oh, and then the best thing, gosh, um, so in that time period after you've turned in your dissertation and you're waiting to graduate, supposedly you're not supposed to leave the country. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sensing a story. Yes, well well, um I called the international office at, at the school, right? Because a couple of my friends had heard this rule and they canceled their trips um because of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like Heck no, I'm not canceling my trips. You know, I'm here in Europe and it's a heck of a lot easier to get to places from Edinburgh 
than from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to waste the time. And so uh, I called the international office, asked them what the deal was. And they were like, well, really, it just depends on who your immigration officer is when you come in. So sometimes they're lenient about it, but sometimes they can be really rude. So basically, every time I left the country and then came back, um, I just ha- I just kind of like smiled and nodded and they would ask me questions like, so you're studying here? Yes. Um, so are you, you're here until the end of the year, like till December, that's when your studies end? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> even though studying had already finished. But apparently, if you're leaving the country, um, you and you've already f- technically finished your studies, you don't really have a reason to be coming back. Is kind of the, the reasoning behind it. Oh. So it's not, it's in some cases it can technically make your visa invalid. But in my experience, the immigration officers are not that. Uh, no, you know they're not too strict about it or haven't been but I can understand in some cases they might be mm-hmm. have you had any difficulty getting into a country the immigration That's... officers given you any grief at all uh there are some countries that require visas even if you're going for like one day like any I'm trying to remember because I went back in almost a decade ago, I took a family trip. Um, we did like a cruise on the Baltic. And so it was one day in lots of different countries. Right. And mm-hmm. so we went to Russia and I remember Russia, they were really strict about, um, entering the country. And I, just, I don't remember it because it was so long ago. I don't remember that much about the process, but I do remember it took a long time. And, mm. Russian immigration officers are scary. (laughs) (laughs) And they were very strict about the questions they asked us and um, looking through our passports and all this stuff. But we got in. It was no big deal. Mm -hmm. We got out, too. So (laughs) That's important. Um, Do you think that you've made any mistakes um, or or anything that would make your life easier? Oh, so you mean if I could go back and do things? Yeah, if you could go back, what? Yeah, what would you do different? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say, especially with my Montreal trip, my moving to Montreal, I wish I had planned a little bit better. But to be honest, the thing is, when you've never done something like that, you don't know where to start with planning. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I applied for that visa and made a reservation at a hostel and put all my stuff in my car and drove there. (laughs) That was the extent of my planning. And I left in the middle of the month. So not a very good time to be finding an apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just like, I had no real idea what I was going to do there. Um, I had actually been working at a summer camp that summer. And so we were in the middle of West Virginia with the world's spottiest internet. And I was trying to do this whole thing on like literally dial up slow on my occasional nights off. And, 
yeah, I just, I wish I had, I think now if I were to do it again, to do another working vacation kind of trip, um, I would research the area a lot more. Mm-hmm. I would talk to people who've been there. Um, I would think about how this is going to fit into the rest of what I want to do with my life, you know? And, and I think when, it, you know, when you're 21, 22, which is what I was when I moved to Canada, it's not, it's not going to impact. Well, it is going to have a big impact on your life, but it's not going to really, you can kind of just go, well, I'm going to move to Canada and take a year and work at a store and practice French, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas now I'm 27 and I'm kind of trying to think about how, how everything I do is going to fit into what direction I want to take my life. So one of the things I I wish I had thought about more when I decided to go to Edinburgh for school was that, okay, well, if this is a, pro- a professional move for me, if I'm going to do this creative writing degree because I want to be an author, um, the UK might not be the best place for me to get a degree because that's where I'm making all my connections now. You know, that's mm-hmm. where... Um, that's all of the all the literature we were reading in class. Uh, although, ironically, I did take an American literature class while I was there, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, I I definitely am very happy that I decided to go to Edinburgh. But I think if I were thinking about it in a more professional way, and how is this gonna how is this gonna affect my professional life when I come back? I think it would have made a lot more sense to go to an American school um, and to go somewhere. You know, I get a lot of people asking me um, about the University of Edinburgh and about the program there. And I get quite a few Americans asking me about it. And they're like, well, do you think it's a, a good place to go? I'm like, well, absolutely. But what are you, what are your intentions with going there? You know, mm-hmm. um, is it just to work on your writing? Is it just to have a year abroad? Is it because you don't know what else to do with your life? All of these are legitimate reasons to go, you know, um, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if this is a professional move, I always suggest going to a school where you can use the connections that you make. Um, so if I could go back and talk to me, myself, before leaving I would say hey this is something you should probably consider okay um but and it was also good for me because I wanted to do travel writing so that was that was very convenient um a convenient location um gosh what was the other thing I was gonna say oh so the other thing is you need to consider what are you gonna do when you come back I I think a lot of people or a good number of people think hey, my life is going in a direction I really don't want it to go in, um, so I need to do something radically different. I will sell all of my stuff, and I will apply for a working vacation visa, and I will move to Australia, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like That's that's totally legitimate course of action, but you still need to consider what's going to happen when your visa expires and when you have to come back. And then, you like, are you going to start your life over again? Are you going to move somewhere else? Are you going to try to make it work and stay in whatever country you picked? Um, which was actually my original intention when I moved to Montreal. And then I ultimately decided that wasn't going to be the case. 
so these are all things you have to think about. And, and also you need to be flexible. When mm-hmm. I moved to Edinburgh, I was thinking, okay, this is just going to be a one year, um, program. I'm just going to be here to get my degree and then I'm going to come home. Um, cause I really like Wilmington, um, North Carolina where I live now, which is why I came back. Um, so I was like a little bit reluctant to leave, but knew that if I didn't leave, I would not be able to get out of the film industry. And, um, so, uh, what I didn't really count on when I moved to Edinburgh was really falling in love with the place and really not wanting to leave and then going, okay, well now how can I stay? But so you need to be flexible and you need to at least give some thought to what am I going to do when I come back, you know, and how am I going to, what are the steps I need to take to best prepare myself for return? Like, do I need to put money aside every month so that I can buy all of my furniture back, you know, right. or have a down payment for an apartment or yeah. Cause I think quite a few people, there's this culture of, well, I'll just keep prolonging these responsibilities until, until I can't prolong them anymore. And right. then you get to that point and you're like, well, now what, you know, and I've kind of gotten to that point. So I'm <laughs> like, well now what? And now I'm, I'm trying to, um, and one of the questions you asked me um, that you sent me ahead of time, like, what's what's my current adventure? And um, I would say for me right now, it's really focusing on laying the groundwork so that I can live the kind of life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, even though I would love to just sell all of my stuff and move across the world, and I actually like went halfway through the visa process to get a working vacation visa to (laughs) Australia the other day. It's like, you know, some people when they get stressed out, they'll go and like binge watch reality TV. And, Mm -hmm. um, I binge look up visas that I can apply (laughs) for online. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, 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 it is interesting. And then you get to the point where they're like, okay, send us your credit card payment. And you're like, oh, $500. I don't think so. Not today. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is an impulse. Um, But for me, I would really love to do that. But I recognize now that, hey, if I just buckle down and save up some money and really get my life together and build something here in Wilmington, build a a freelance business and a couple of other businesses that I'm working on um, and work on the blog so that maybe I can start getting revenue through the site. And then once I've built that foundation, I can do a little bit more travel and I can live that lifestyle that I want to live. But it just is taking the time and forcing myself to be disciplined Mm -hmm. to do it, you know, and that has been the hardest thing for me because there's such an impulse to just go, well, screw it. I'm just going to move somewhere else and I'll, I'll figure it out when I get there, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, so if I could go back and talk to myself, I would sit down and I would give myself that speech Uh (laughs) and it's really hard. It's really hard to do. Like it's hard to sit down and force yourself to think logically about, how do I want to live my life and how can I make that work? Mm-hmm. You know, and what are the steps I have to do it? I'm not necessarily going to love everything I'm doing up to that point, but 
it'll be worth it in the end, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So that's my, that's my adventure right now. <laughs> yeah. It's important to set those priorities and, um, and live your life that way. I know, um, from my friends back in South Dakota, they, you know, they're like, I want to go on travels like you do. I want to travel the world. And then I see how they are living their life currently. And like, that doesn't really make sense because you're not saving to travel mm-hmm. and yeah, your direction's going in the opposite, opposite way. Um, right. Yeah. And as Cameron and I are preparing to go to Zimbabwe, we had a set number of, um, for our savings account, we need this amount so that when we come back, we're not like, we don't have anything to live on. We can't, right. like, we don't have gas money. We don't have, you know, stuff like right. that. Exactly. And now in our waiting period, it's hard because we reached that number and then we went over more. So we're like, oh, that's really comfortable. But we've been living kind of this vagrant lifestyle in South Dakota and like last week, mm-hmm. like, we we need to drive to California. So we just kind of <laughs> hopped in the car and drove and like, luckily we did have that cushion in our savings account, but mm-hmm. might have not been smart, but. Well, no, that's the thing. I mean, I think that's that's different, though. Like, taking a spontaneous week-long trip or, you know, and after you've done that kind of savings and you, and you know, well, we have this amount, we need this amount to live, we need this amount to keep for when we come back, and then you have that cushion, and there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to use that, you know? And I think it's just building up to that point mm-hmm. and then being building building up those savings and building up um the foundation so that you can take a spontaneous trip and that's like what i'm doing right now is doing is the building right because i i came back from edinburgh and had um put a little too much on my credit card mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and like trying to pay that down and build up savings and then make build the foundation so that I can do that spontaneous travel and I could go. What I would really like to be able to do is go and spend a couple of months in uh, one place at a time, be able to work from that place and really get to know that place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recognize that I need to have a cushion, a fallback before I can really start doing that because I can't go like I did in Edinburgh again and, and just spend everything I've saved, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I've actually, I've been reading a lot of finance books and, and trying to read about investing as well and like see what the best way to, um, continue to build up and save that is because the truth is like, uh, the older that we get, the more of a cushion we really need, especially if we want to be able to actually retire. Mm-hmm. And if you're working for yourself, you're doing it all on your own. Your company's not, there's not a company saving money for you. They're not putting anything aside for you. So, you know, I think a lot of travelers that I read about who are, like I read this book, um, uh, gosh, what was the name of the book? It's by this guy called John Marshall, and the name of the book escapes me. But I did I did a review on it on my website, and um, basically, he and his wife they are, I guess, probably in their forties, and I'm gonna find it. And they decide to rent out their house and take their teenagers and go travel the world, which is very admirable. Mm-hmm. But the way that they did it, they just it sounded like they depleted all the savings they had ever had. 
Mm. Um, which to me is like not a very good plan if you're in your forties and you want to retire at a reasonable age. Right. Um, uh, oh, it's called wide open world. That's what it's called. Um, their story was really compelling. Actually, they did most of their travel through volunteerism. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's great that they're able to take their teenage kids traveling with them. You know, I think that's a really, um, that's probably going to have a great impact on their kids' lives mm -hmm. further down the road. But in terms of planning, it sounded like there, it sounded like there was not a whole lot. <laughs> not a whole lot of planning. and Okay. Yeah. Um, which isn't necessarily, I mean, it's not to say that that's the wrong way to travel. Just for me, I think, personally, I would feel uncomfortable with that, knowing that I would want to retire in 20 years from mm -hmm. that point, you know? Um, right. And I guess yeah. that comes down to the, what the priorities are, I guess. Mm-hmm. And everyone has their own different ones, and, but, yeah, saving for retirement seems to be <laughs> what you need to do. <laughs> Up there, <laughs> yeah. yes. Exactly. So, with all this binge looking up visa process, do you have anywhere, like, specific you want to go? I mean, you talked about, about Australia. Is that just... That was just an impulse a dream, but are you working towards any specific goal? Well, actually, yes. Um, I, this fall, am planning to go to Columbia, South South America. Mm. Um, it's funny. I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. So, <laughs> so I almost said, I'm planning to go to Columbia, South Carolina. It's, you know, three hours away. <laughs> <laughs> My family lives there. Um, no, so I'm planning to go to Columbia, South America. I'm really interested particularly in their literature. Um, so I have a degree in creative writing, and I like to focus on a genre called magical realism, which is basically um, modern, well, not necessarily modern day, but realistic storytelling with small elements of magic. Um, okay. Like Toni Morrison does it all the time. You know, her characters, they're in normal situations, but like maybe there's a ghost or a dead person who's, a character and mm -hmm. um or there's like somebody who just i think there's a point in uh, song of solomon where uh, one of the characters flies um but it's just like little things like that and they're just integrated into um into the story right mm -hmm. and it's really cool so um that's a really big part of the literature in columbia um their slogan right now is actually Columbia's magical realism. Oh. Um, and while I was in the UK, I went to this conference called the world travel market in London. Um, I have a friend who lives in London, so I had a place to say it was nice. And, um, and if you get a chance to go to that conference, you absolutely should. It's actually free. So that's also nice. Wow. And they have almost every country from like, every country's tourism board represented there. It's like a huge county fair almost, but better. Okay. World travel <laughs> and, um, market. Okay. So when I was there, I went and I went to the booth, the Columbia booth and, um, which is bigger than the size of my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually won a hotel stay in Columbia, um, in, uh, Cartagena. Actually, I think I had a couple of options, but I'd like to go to Cartagena, which mm -hmm. is on the coast in the Caribbean. Um, and that actually, I won that after I had started talking to one of the representatives there about coming to Colombia and, um, 
you know, going on some press trips there and, and really thinking about the literature. Um, so my, my site, because I have uh, this creative writing background, um, I like to focus a lot on the cultural aspects of a place, especially the literature. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why I try to do a lot of book reviews. Um, but I'm also interested in visual art. I've done a couple of um, street art posts okay. and, um, and music as well. So when I go to a place, I am interested in learning about those things, especially ahead of time, if I can, um, and talking to people, well, what, what kind of music do the locals listen to or, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of art is popular here? Um, so that's kind of my next where I'm working up to for this fall. I'm actually planning to go to the TBEX conference in Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. and it's flying from Fort Lauderdale to Columbia because apparently it's only 15,000 miles um, uh, with American Airlines for a flight, like uh, frequent flyer miles with American oh. Airlines um, to go from Fort or like Miami to uh, Columbia to Bogota, I think. So that's incredible. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well that's nice. <laughs> got <laughs> got 15,000, um, frequent flyer miles, but that's, that's just one way. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, and if I, if I were to just kind of ditch my current life and go and do something else, I think what I would do is go work on a sailboat. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Do you have sail legs, boat legs? Um, I currently work on a boat, actually, but I I bartend on a boat, so it's um it's not really working on a boat. It is working on a boat, but um, I found this thing recently. I think I saved it in my notes here. Um, it's this company that runs a. a an old school sailboat essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can, you do have to pay to live on it. Um, but it's including, it's a very, a pretty minimal fee. It's like a monthly fee and it includes, um, food and, um, obviously accommodation and everything. Um, and then you work on this sailboat like you would in, um, in olden times, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but they're, cur- they're currently in New Zealand. Gosh, what is that? I'm going to find it. Yes. We need to know. Uh, I know. <laughs> but it just looks a really interesting lifestyle to me. That's something that I would consider doing for um, for a month or two. Um, yeah, that kind of... I mean, you're talking about adventure lust. You know, that's like... That is it right there. Right. That's it. Um, Do something like that for a month. And who says that they have done that? And pretty yeah. unique experience. Uh, so it's working, working on a, a tall ship is what they're called. Um, there are a couple of different ones, I believe. But this one is, um, I think, technically a, uh, a com- not a commune. What is the word? Um but it's, it's communal living, obviously. And, um, I don't know. I guess for me, my interest in travel has always been related to my love of reading and, and 
that sort of adventure. You know, I was really into like Lord of the Rings and that sort of thing growing up, and mm-hmm. and just this idea of being an adventurer and and um, especially this sailing thing really appeals to me because I feel like you're living off your own work. You know, exactly. Um, I think in my former life I was a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> One with an eye patch? Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully I had both eyes. All right. Gosh, I'm going to find this thing. I can't seem to find it. It's Alvi. Um, A-L-V-E, A-L-V-E-I dot org. Alvi. Okay. I'll put that definitely in the show notes because that sounds really interesting. Yeah, you should check it out. And if if anybody is interested in crewing um, boats, there there are a couple of good websites out there. There's one, the one that I have been using is called crewbay.com. Um, and basically, you can get jobs as someone who's never even worked on a boat. You can also get paid jobs as like the first mate of a boat or some of them even, I think we're looking for captains. And, um, so the, it's everything. It's the whole gamut. I mean, even like, uh, like hostesses and, um, cooks and that sort of thing okay. can do that. And a lot of the times they do, they'll do work for, um, like you work for your spot on the boat. Mm-hmm. So exchange work for a place to live on the boat. Um, yeah, I haven't done that before, but actually there's a girl that I met at TBEX in Athens who did something like that. And her website is, uh, Destination Exploration, I believe, but I think she's got a different one for the time that she spent on her boat, on the boat, not her boat. Um, destination. All right. Okay. So her, um, boat blog is ocean exploration with an X. There's no E. Um, and I can send that to you as well. But if anybody's interested in like looking into that, seeing what it would be like, I think her site would be a good one to start with. Yeah. That'd be really, really interesting. We'll put those also in the show notes as well. You're getting me excited to live on a boat right now. I know. I know. I'm getting excited about it, too. I'm like, well, maybe I will just sell everything and go live on a boat. Sounds fun. Right. Oh. I guess there's, like, a lot of endless possibilities. Absolutely. You just got to pick the direction you want to go into. Yeah. And I I think, like I was saying before, I think it's helpful to, to really sit down and give yourself a hard talk, you know what I mean? And kind of go, why am I doing this? Is it because I'm trying to escape something in my current life? Because if you're travel, if you're leaving just to escape something in your current life, you're not really going to escape it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of found that with Edinburgh because I did that a little bit, you know, to get out of my film job. And then I realized that there were some other things here in Wilmington that I sort of needed to confront before I had really left. So when I came back, I still needed to to confront some of the the stuff I had left behind, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's a little bit what I'm working through at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's an Avid Brothers song about that. <laughs> probably. Yeah, it's like, probably. when you run, make sure you run to something and not away from it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good advice. And because you're, if you're traveling on a short-term visa, you're going to have to come back eventually. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to face those problems eventually. I mean, you can continue to apply for visas and continue to avoid confronting things, but um, eventually you're going to have to come back to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to catch up with you. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I would just say really think about how is this long-term travel going to, or any kind of travel going to fit into my overall life. I hate to use the, the term life plan because plan makes it sound so structured and it's not, <laughs> you know, but I like to think I have at least some kind of idea of where I want to be in 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even like short term plans. <laughs> right. But Just an overall, an overall idea. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's some really great advice. I think maybe we'll end with that. But what is um, the best way for people to follow along with you and to connect with you? Oh, sure. Um, so my website is called Savvy Girl Travel. Um, you can follow along with me, SavvyGirlTravel.com. I've also got Facebook. Just made it to 1,000 followers. Woo! Ooh, good job. <laughs> and uh, that's Facebook.com slash Savvy Girl Travel. I've got um, Instagram and Twitter, Pinterest, all those great things. Um I also have a personal website, it's HaleySwinson.com, but I don't really update that one very much, so probably go with the Savvy Girl Travel site. Uh-huh. Um, and what we're doing, and actually, and one of the other things you asked, um, you sent me in the email was, what's going on with Savvy Girl Travel? And uh, what I'm doing right now, I'm kind of I'm coming to a point where um, I'm trying to look for um, some, maybe some brand ambassadorships and, and really focus on developing the magazine, building it out, and finding uh, more regular contributors um, and editors <laughs> and really focusing on continuing to build that content. So if anyone's interested in writing for me, you know, feel free to get in touch. Right. That's a very good plug. <laughs> I'll put all that information on my website so they know how to get a hold of you. Sounds good. Excellent. Well, Haley, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me. It's good to get to know you, and I'm excited to follow you along. Maybe you'll be captain of a boat one day. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. We'll see. (laughs) Not in the 30-year plan, but... Well, that's all, folks. For more information, go to tavesadventure.com slash podcast and visit us on our Facebook page, Taves Adventure. Thanks for listening, and I hope to catch you next time. As always, have an adventure-worthy week.